0: Freeze! <laughs> you froze, Theo. Go ahead. All right. Well, welcome into first class fantasy. Theo's having some technical difficulties. Uh, I am your co-host Billy Musio. With me today, we have Jeff Erickson. Theo's
1: connecting. Theo, you back? I'm back. I'm back, Billy. Apologies, to everyone. <laughs> welcome to first class fantasy. I'm Theo Greminger. Ah, uh, Billy Muzio, Thank you for taking over a little technical difficulties in the Greminger household. Ah, uh, Billy, we're really excited. This is ah, uh, you know, almost Thanksgiving week, but we got to get through Week Eleven. Uh, and I'm really excited that we're joined today, first time here on First Class Fantasy, first time I've podcasted with Jeff Erickson of RotoWire. Jeff, welcome to First Class Fantasy. Let everybody know where
2: they can find your work. Hey, thanks for having me on board. I really appreciate it. Uh, find me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson, of course, on RotoWire um and you can catch me on Sirius XM Fantasy we are on during football season at night uh from 8 to 10 p.m eastern time I think Theo you've been on the show with us before I think bo- uh, yep. I think one or both of you is doing a Thanksgiving Day draft with us so uh and we'll, we'll get you on the RotoWire podcast too because I talk a lot so I'm in a lot of different places so uh <laughs> I'm glad to be here as well I'm really having a good time uh and hey it's it's a busy week big 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 week here
1: yeah and I see the Cincinnati Bengals uh hat on Uh, So you're a little bit excited about tonight. We're going to talk about Thursday Night Football. We're going to talk about a lot of these games, and I see some really good questions in the chat. We're going to get to those as well, but if anybody listens to press coverage or First Class Fantasy, and a lot of you guys are regulars on these shows, uh, Billy and I have been talking to pretty much any guest we have, and we're asking them this. You know, you put a lot of preparation in the offseason, Jeff, getting ready for your drafts, getting ready for your player analysis which player is the biggest positive surprise for you this season? And the caveat is he's not allowed to say Puka (laughs) Nakua.
2: Exactly. I'll go Rashad White, RB 12 right now. He can't, he's not running well between the tackles because nobody can in Tampa with that offensive line. Uh, But he's been really involved in the passing game. He's, he's, defended off every effort to kind of take over third downs he is a three down back he's really good in the passing game and they keep finding ways and he, even the running game has been incrementally better than it was at the start of the year I mean there's only so much you can do uh in Tampa but he's a guy that I can com- comfortably start every week and I didn't think I was going to be able to say that I thought he was more of a flex play matchup play and instead now he's kind of plugged into my lineups love the
1: answer Billy uh, we can kind of pat ourselves on the back because me you and Matt Kelly were all over Rashad White this past offseason. A lot of people were trying to fade him. The narrative continued to change. It was like first he's gonna get there's gonna be a running back that's gonna get drafted and replace him. Then a free agent's gonna replace him. Then it's oh, this undrafted free agent, Sean Tucker, he's gonna take his job. And then, you know, it goes on and on and on. And here we are, Rashad White is an RB1. He's had back-to-back weeks of 20 carries, Billy. So he's really propped up by the receiving, um, by the receiving numbers and also you know, his touchdown scoring, but the volume is crazy good. What are your thoughts on Rashad White rest of the season, Billy?
0: Yeah, he's been pretty consistently in like back half RB1 for me in the rankings. I have him kind of in that rb 11 to 13 range pretty consistently on a week to week basis. inside the projections, in the model um, it has been hundred percent, the passing down volume that's been propping up those fantasy stats. Cause from an efficiency standpoint from rushing the ball hasn't been the most efficient rusher, but um, we have seen positive trends. Um, of course, you know, the targets have been helping the overall cause and now they're scoring touchdowns. So um, it was one of my guys at the beginning of the season, you could find the little, my guy emblem on, on player profiler. It was a volume play. And um, they didn't really ha- add a lot in the beginning of the off season. And so, um, here we are seeing him finally get worked into that role and, and being utilized as we thought it was going to be utilized in the passing game. Um, and so I, I, I like his chances as finishing inside the top 12, especially given uh, the landscape of the position. And, and I think that he has,
1: um, a pretty decent shot of doing so. Yeah. And I love the, my guys that we do at player profiler, you flag plant three guys. We flag planted these guys, Billy, like before the, the NFL draft and two of my flag plants have gone extremely well. Jameer Gibbs, and Dalton Kincaid. It took a couple of weeks, but here we're there. They are looking good. My third flag plant was Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. Uh, Jeff is aware of our bet that we made in the preseason, but Billy loves to rub it in. Jeff, what do you think my chances are on a percentage basis of Jackson, Smith, and Jigba finishing as a wide receiver three or better at this point in PPR?
2: uh it's going to take a uh, more severe dK or lock and injury. I mean these guys show up on the injury report every single week, but unfortunately, I think you're flying third class fantasy right now with him
1: <laughs> i'm not I'm not flying's I love it I love it. <laughs> Jeff that you're a real pro, you're a real pro Billy uh you know it's a holiday season, but you do not let up. You are relentless. I also get text messages from Billy, uh you know reminding of me of our bet, but you know we're going to split a team with that three fifty anyway, Billy, so I'll end up making money on my three fifty loss so that's just how pure we run at first class fantasy. But, Billy, you know, I saw a tweet you made, and Billy, you know, lives in Oregon. I live on Long Island. I love the 9.30 in the morning East Coast start time European game. <sighs> Billy, you are not a fan. Uh, you were complaining about it, but you've championed through all of them, and that is over. Jeff, what's your thoughts on a third time slot, an early AM game? Did you like them this year? Did you not enjoy them? Like, what are your thoughts?
2: So I live in LA, so I, that could probably you know, size up my answer pretty quickly. I hated them; can't stand them Cause I'm getting up at like 515 to answer reader questions, listener yep. questions, um, making sure there's no dramatic late sit. Cause we have had that in a London game before uh, where a guy has been a late scratch, you know, an hour and a half before the game and then you're left scrambling there. So uh, anytime that happens, I have to update the rankings, have to respond to the questions, who you're pivoting to and like tweeting out and all that good stuff. So hate it, can't stand it. Um, and, you know, then there's always the routine before the uh, 10 a.m. kickoffs too, where I'm I've got my usual routine where I'm answering every single question. So I'm trying to watch the game. I'll do that. And then trying to watch Glazer on one of the pregame shows because I think he's the best of the national reporters. He doesn't he doesn't report as ton, but he doesn't miss either. And he usually has that one nugget that nobody else has. So I'm always watching for that um, point is it just throws off my routine and then I'm just a big hot mess by the end by Sunday night.
1: Yeah, we're definitely creatures of habit this time of year. It's like the cyclical nature of of fantasy football. You know when you're putting in your lineup, you know when you're putting in waivers and then they throw like the wrench at us with like the the third game. So, you know, you guys do get the advantage when we get a very boring Sunday night football, Monday night football game and I'm like fighting falling asleep. You guys get the advantage on that one, but we definitely get the advantage on the on the European games. Well, um, see, I'm falling asleep in the middle of
0: like the one o'clock games now because it's I've been up since five. Like to, to, to Jeff's point, I've been working on projections all morning. I've been trying to. You know, I'm on my third cup of coffee. I'm crashing. I've transitioned <laughs> to wine in the middle of the second game, <laughs> and next thing you know, it's i, I sleep asleep at halftime, and I wake up and I gotta go look at box
1: scores because I couldn't
0: couldn't make it through the second game. What did I, did I miss? miss? What did I miss? I'm, I'm back. back. Yeah,
1: miss. We're gonna. We're gonna put that. We're gonna put that falling asleep not on the NFL schedule, but on the, the choice to go 10 a.m. red wine, Northern California red, at possibly an Italian mixed in there. But we're gonna say Northern California for Billy. That's an interesting choice, Billy. Not really brunch, uh, brunch no, friendly. One o'clock know. Pacific time. Four o'clock oh, okay. Eastern okay. time. Four o'clock. Four o'clock. You know, you're. It's five o'clock somewhere, I guess. Um, Jeff, how about a player that you were really high on? Or your your website was really really high on, and you've been extremely disappointed in them, either by their performance or just simply their usage.
2: I'll tell. There's a whole category that ended the second round wide receiver. Oh Chris yeah. Olave, Car, uh, just Calvin Ridley, uh, T. Higgins, all these guys, Devonte Smith. We've been left wanting. I mean, we, the correct answer was Keenan Allen all along, as it turns out. But you know that that whole class of player has been. You know they've had their games. But for the most part, they haven't delivered on what we want, and really, of course, has been a disaster lately. Um, I have a hard time figuring out what I want to do with them in a given week. Uh, so I'll, I'll say him, and I'll say quarterback wise, Trevor Lawrence too. We'll go along with Lawrence, and I, I blame the offensive coordinator a little bit. I think the play calling has been lacking. Uh, they just don't take downfield shots at all. I don't know if they don't trust their offensive line or what the story is there, but it's been a it's been a story of frustration when Josh Dobbs has more twenty point fantasy games than than Trevor Lawrence, and we got a real problem.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're going to touch base on Trevor Lawrence a little bit later, but Billy, like I'm sure, when we get to the off season, me and you are going to look back at ADP, talk about lessons learned, things we can adjust in our in our preparation for next year. But that's a great call by Jeff because that's a landmine filled area. And guys, I'll also throw out a guy who I think is going to end the season really well. But up until now, you've had one single 20 point game out of Jalen Waddle, and where he was getting drafted, uh, he's been you know a purgatory yep, also player in the at pocket. best. Yeah. <laughs> So you have two guys in that little pocket that were you know, the secondary wide receivers on their own team, and people were like, you know what, the offense is good enough, the consolidation is good enough that they're just going to carry it. But Alave, DK Metcalf, Devonta Smith, T. Higgins, Jalen Waddell, if you would have just gone Keenan Allen instead of any of those guys, you'd probably have another win and a half, maybe another two wins in your record right now. Billy, is there any early lesson learned, or is that something we really got to take a step back and look at?
0: No, I don't. I don't necessarily think it's a lesson learned because all these guys had proven success. All these guys had, um, you know, high-powered offenses, pretty efficient roles, pretty pretty set roles. Um, it's just, I mean, it's football, man. Sometimes things change, and and we look at and and we you can have all the analytics correctly, but it's just sometimes the chemistry changes, or there's different matchups that they're they're going against that they just aren't able to beat, or injuries, whatever it may be. Um, another name on the hat that is Tony Pollard. Right? He's only yeah, had on my list. Yep, he's only had one finish inside the top twelve. The running back position is RB twenty five on the season right now, and it's it's been one of those disappointing things. So it's like that that round two has kind of been unsafe all all around. Um, and we've seen a lot of busts and there has been some hits, don't get me wrong, but it's been um, a pretty, um, you know, pretty big disappointment in terms of uh, draft capital that we spent in, in, in early August. I will Not- say
2: one underlying trend is most of these guys are their number two receiver on their team. Right, yes. we want alphas. We want guys that we know are going to get double digit targets. And I think that's one of the takeaways. We got to kind of you know dial that back. Remember that next year, Ridley we thought it was going to be an alpha. So I mean, you can kind of excuse that a little bit. But we know Higgins is number two. We know that Waddle is number two. We know Smith was probably number two to AJ Brown. I think we, that might have been a little bit more debatable, a little bit more risable. On the other hand, we knew Keenan Allen. Okay, he's old. He's 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 fading. No, he's not, and he's still the number one guy. Didn't and then of course once Williams got hurt. I mean, it was just to the moon with him.
1: Before we uh, go to an ad, let's quickly take a start-sit question. Daniel Dung in the uh, in the chat, Duong, or Dung, uh, says, uh, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Brock Purdy, Justin Fields. He's got a very strong group of quarterbacks, but he needs to pick two of them. Super flex. Let's start out with Billy on this one. Which way are you going? Uh, probably going to go Herbert
0: uh, for sure. The, I don't trust Fields, so Fields is going to be out for me this week. Um, it's going to be between Purdy and Kyler. Purdy gets San Francisco. Week 11 is Tampa Bay. Uh, Kyler gets Houston. Um, I like the over-under Arizona. I think that is the highest over-under of the week at 47.5, so I'm going to go with Kyler here and get a piece of the action.
1: I'm going Kyler um, and Herbert as well. We're going to talk a little bit more about that Houston Arizona game. Jeff, would you go in any other direction with your Superflex decision?
2: Nope, it's a ringing endorsement. I, Kyler versus Purdy is close for me. It's twelve yeah. and thirteen respectively in my ranking. So yeah, I'm going Kyler, but yeah, it, it, hard hard to miss on that one there. Both should be great. Well, awesome. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some some very good offenses and some
1: not so very good offenses after we hear a word from our sponsors.
3: This episode brought to you by Mojo. Mojo is that player stock market. We love Mojo because we like making lifetime bets on players. You run out the clock on these guys. Mojo just rolled out a brand new fantasy platform. That's right. So now you can build a portfolio of player props. Oh, Jamar Chase, over 77.5. Oh, Kadarius Tony under 15.5. Whatever the under is on Kadarius Tony, it doesn't matter. You can just stack up the props in your portfolio, and the beauty is... Once the Sunday games kick off, it's not over. It's not over until it's over with Mojo, because once those games kick off, you can then move in and out of positions. Let's say that you're well ahead of expectations. You can cash out. Let's say you're behind expectations. You're underwater. Well, you can double down. That's what makes Mojo so special, why they're different. Check it out. Go to the App Store. Get the Mojo app and use the promo code UNDERWORLD. The promo code UNDERWORLD. Get you a 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. So the promo code is Underworld and they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Go to Mojo, start building your portfolio and then during the games you can be a fantasy day trader.
1: Welcome back to First Last Fantasy. Theo Greminger and Billy Muzio joined today by Jeff Erickson of Rotowire. Guys, one of the big storylines of the week and one of the big offenses we need to adjust to is the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson lost for the season. We haven't exactly had, like, explosive fantasy performance by the skill position players in Cleveland, but these guys have become, you know, weekly starters for most. Amari Cooper is wide receiver 19 on the season in PPR. Jerome Ford up to running back 21. David and Joku is tight end 15, but was kind of coming on. Now, what are we doing with those three guys? And what are we expecting from Dorian Thompson Robinson, who is, by all accounts, a very good scrambler? We don't really know how the passing numbers are going to be supported here. Let's start with Jeff here. Your thoughts moving forward on the Cleveland Browns?
2: I think this is the classic Monty Hall door number three issue. Uh, we know what P.J. Walker is. We, we don't... You know, I think we do at least. We've, we've had enough trials with him. We don't think he's a playoff game winner. DTR, we don't quite know yet. He was, he could be way worse. It could be a, just a, an abysmal situation there, like it was against the Ravens, but there might be upside as well. And I think that's uh, courageous by the Browns to go this route, uh, knowing that they're six and three and, you know, in, in a, a decent spot to make the playoffs with an elite defense. I think they are there that, uh, of that mindset there how can we be a better team and it's going to take some some rough patches this this pittsburgh game man it's like 33 and a half 33 now as the over under i mean it's iowa-esque so uh you know we're gonna have to uh kind of bite our tongue this week and you know not, not do much but cooper it hurts but i think he's still salvageable and usable i don't think he's gonna be sub 36 um but Njoku, I'm going to have a hard time starting. I know in that one game against the Ravens, he had, he had seven targets. So maybe you get a lot get there on volume in PPR leagues. Um, I, I think what you're going to see is them run the ball a ton. I think Jerome Ford gets 20-plus touches. I don't know if they're great touches this week against Pittsburgh, but he's going to get a lot of volume. So, I, I, you know, David Njoku, that's one
1: where I can kind of see it kind of working out because a lot of his stuff's going to be kind of a right around the line of scrimmage. But it's because it wishful thinking for me Billy are you just adjusting all three of them you have to adjust them down we have a very small sample size to go off of
0: uh, we have week 4 as uh, when Dorian Thompson-Robinson started limited sample size didn't get any time to prepare so you got to got to take it with a grain of salt as well um, yeah. in that week 4 performance um you know it was it was pretty ineffective completion percentage of 53% yards per attempt at 3.36 um, so this is going to be low a dot passing attempts, or if this is the trend is going to continue. So if it's going to benefit someone, it's going to benefit the Elijah Moore, it's going to benefit the tight end, it's going to benefit the running backs. Um, people like you know Amari Cooper and 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 Tillman or anybody else on the roster, I have I'm gonna be moving down the projections, but when we look at inexperienced quarterbacks, they're typically favoring the slot receiver, they're typically favoring the tight and they're typically favoring the running back. And so I think that those guys, I would I don't want to call them safe because I don't think anyone's going to be safe in this game. Um, it's it also an interconference game. It's always a tough matchup. You know, they always play a little tougher against each other. And so I think that's going to be tough sledding for Dorian Thompson Robinson. But I, I think that if anyone is going to have success, it's going to be one of those three slot tight end or running back.
1: Yeah, it's definitely uh disappointing if you have a bunch of Cleveland Browns on, on your fantasy roster and I want to get back to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but let's first take a question from the chat. Uh, Joe Burrow tonight or Sam Howell versus the Giants? I'm going to go Sam Howell in this start sit uh, decision. Jeff, I see the Cincinnati Bengals hat on. <laughs> back up your boy, Joe Burrow <clears throat> or Sam
2: Howell. Uh, so I'm doing my update of my rankings after this today. Uh, and that, that wrist sleeve thing is scaring me um i already had it as burrow 10 howl 11 so it's it's almost toss-up zone already i i I think i'm probably gonna go burrow because i think i'd be more crestfallen if he goes off on my bench and Mm -hmm. that might just be you know looking at this through orange and black shades but uh at the same time i i see a, a lower disaster floor i mean i i see like Howell's got the greater potential for a disaster. He probably has a higher ceiling this week, too. But if Burrow goes off and he's on my bench, I'm gonna just be hating myself. Or I I won't be hating myself if Howell does it. It's kind of a crazy way to run your roster, but that's the way I am.
1: Hey, it all it it, it doesn't matter as long as you get that W in the in the win column. Billy, yeah. which way are you going? Sam Howell or Joe Burrow?
0: I got Burrow at ten. I got Hal at twelve. Um, over/under for that New York Giants game is only thirty-seven. Uh, Burrow versus Baltimore is at forty-six currently. Again, it's going to be uh, implied totals. I want to go after the, the scores. And to Jess's point, I mean, it's we're going to want a piece of that if Burrow goes off. We're going to we're going to hate ourselves. Where Hal, I think we know he can go off, but we've also seen some blow-up games. I mean, again, this is an interconference division game. I know the Giants have been absolutely horrific and have haven't been able to stop anybody this game could potentially get i think higher scoring than what the implied total is but that being said this could also be like a 13 17 game as well and it could just be an ugly kind of ground and pound game where they lean into brian robinson because the giants are gonna you know give up totals early and they're just gonna continue into the ground game so i don't fully trust Howell this week in this in this game and i although as good as he's been it's hard to say that but I just I think that this matchup I'd rather I'd rather get
2: take the upside of Burrow against Baltimore. And yeah. And, and, and Hal was just destroyed by the Giants a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Um you know, I I don't think Thibodeau is gonna play and that might be a big bigger difference. So we'll see about that. And I just don't know what their Giants are psychologically, but it's a division game. Yeah. And eh, they could get up for that there.
1: Might be the worst New York Giants team we've <laughs> seen in forever. So I don't know. It's it's a, it's definitely definitely a weird one to try to gauge because You could like, I think you talked about the ceiling versus floor. You could see Washington just stomp them, or you could see like a weird game flow. Like this is the pride game and it's Mm 1713 and nobody eats in fantasy. So definitely uh, an interesting one. Let's pivot back to the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. We've seen an increase in usage for Jalen Warren kind of named the de facto starter and plays like 51% of the snaps, which is a big step forward. Right now, Jalen Warren is running back 28 on the season in PPR, and Najee Harris is running back 29. They're neck and neck. And to Najee's credit, Najee's been producing the last few weeks fantasy-wise. So both of these guys, how are we treating this? Is this a situation where you like one or another, or they both kind of like that low-end RB2s for you slash flex plays? Let's start with Jeff on this one.
2: I've been resisting putting Warren over Harris for a long time, but I made that change this week. Yeah, um, I think Harris is still a usable guy, and in fact, I still have him in a league or two where I'm starting him uh, because Pittsburgh's commitment to the run. It's it's going to be an ugly game in Cleveland this week. Though. There's no getting around that. Uh, but I, at the same time, and, and you know, Harris like grades out well with advanced stats, a lot of advanced metrics. Uh, warren's the harder runner He, you know i i wonder sometimes if he gets there and hitters counts if you will like you know harris softens up the defense then warren comes in and is the home run hitter but we're seeing warren get used earlier and earlier in games too so i i think warren's the guy you want to roster or you want to you want to have more in the others and certainly in the long run i think that's the case um besides he's hungry because he needs it because he keeps getting fined uh so he needs to earn that next bonus there but uh we'll see
1: yeah can we talk about that like it's stop, crazy. Stop finding the guys that are that don't make any money. Find the guys who make some money. It's like ridiculous to take an entire game check away from Jalen Warren after all he's doing for our fantasy teams, guys, based on his ADP. And Billy, where does the
2: money go to the Bob Kraft Massage Fund? I mean,
1: it's, it's where is it? It's some, it's, a, it's definitely like some sort of a, a slush fund for the for the powers to be in the in the NFL for sure. That's a great question. Where does the money go? This is like an expose for 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 you guys to do over at RotoWire for sure, Billy. Let's talk about this one. Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, or just simply play either. Um, not both, but play either if you have them. Where are you at?
0: Yeah, I think you can play either. I, I know that they're, they're saying that Jalen's going to be the starter. I, this brings it back to we've seen people be listed as the starter, get the first snap, and the other back comes in and plays. And so it's kind of more of an attaboy. You're listed as the starter. Um, last week was the first week we did see, though, Jalen Warren out-snap. Nasha Harris, 52% to 50%. Um, that being said, though, they have pretty clear, distinct roles. So Jalen has still been out snapping him in the route category, 50% of routes last week, 35% of routes for Najee. Targets, though, still about 18% each. They've both been in that 11 to 13 range on average. Um, but this is where it gets interesting. Short down distance snaps, Najee dominates these at 71% last week versus 43% for Jalen Warren. We saw 33% in week nine versus 80% for Najee in in, in week nine. And then when you get down to two-minute drill, the back they trust the most, at least last week, was Najee Harris, 80% of snaps in the two-minute drills. So um, I think we have pretty clear roles. I think Jalen Warren runs harder. We'll probably see him mixed in more in one and two, but they're both still going to be active in the passing game. I think nausea is still going to be the short yardage back, probably going to be the back we're going to see in the two minute drill. So as much as I say, I think Jalen Warren's the better back from a, like an eye standpoint, I think we're going to see him both mixed in still.
1: Now here's the question for you guys. Rest of season. There are managers that have both on their team and that, a lot of times, if you have your handcuff rostered, it's a good thing because you have peace of mind. But in this particular case, it's it's a headache of which one do I start this week? If you were looking to break break up the team and you could have only one of them for the rest of the season, which one are you holding on to? Not a dynasty question. Strictly redraft the rest of this season. Would you rather have Najee Harris or Jalen Warren? Start with Jeff
2: Warren. Um, I just think that's the higher upside play at this point in time,
1: Billy.
0: Oh, man, I've never been a Najee fan, but I'm going to go with the, the short yardage back here because I'm going to bank on the touchdown. Um, and I'm going to say I'm going to go for the short yardage. and Najee has been getting those snaps. So it's close, though. I mean, very close. You can't start both of them. It's called stat cuffing, and I'm not yeah. stat cuffing this offense, especially against Cleveland.
1: Stat cuff the Detroit Lions backfield, though. All you <laughs> I, want, go ahead and put David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs in the same lineup. Sit back and enjoy your money. Uh, the, the chat is lit right now, guys. Smash the like button. We're joined by Jeff Erickson of rotowire we're gonna take one more question regarding the pittsburgh steelers permar in the chat uh who he needs to start two of these guys deontay johnson christian watson and jerry judy pick two here i think one's fairly obvious it's going to be deontay johnson i think we can all agree on that it comes down to christian watson versus jerry judy start with billy
0: Man, I keep telling myself I'm not going to start Watson, and I keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it because I keep making the, the, the uh, argument for the matchup uh, because it continues to have good matchups, and here we are against the Chargers another good matchup. I probably lean Watson ever so slightly again here, even though he's only eclipsed 37 yards once this season um so i'm gonna be the clown meme and continue to put on my clown outfit as i continue to slide watson into my starting lineup and i probably pick him over jerry judy this week it's
1: actually the godfather three meme once (laughs) i thought i was out they pulled me back in christian watson would be my answer as well i'm a sucker for punishment though jeff jerry judy or christian watson
2: uh, so I'm the Jerry Judy sucker here. I have him in a dynasty league. I keep on thinking this is it's, this is the week. No, this is the week. And uh, it's not the week. Um, it's 46 and 51 respectively in my rankings. I, I don't want to start either. Um, but I'm, I'm going Judy, I guess, but uh, just, yeah. I, and I have leagues where I have to make a decision like that too. I, I, I don't want to like, you know, hate yeah you know, I, I don't want to shame anybody in this decision because we all have leagues like this, right? um especially bye week's kick in not necessarily this bye week, but uh, you know you, you're gonna have that tough decision. I'm going Judy, but yeah it's, it's a hold your nose sort of pick.
1: yeah, it's a really really tough one. Good luck to you in in this week's matchup permar. I hope uh, one of these guys hits for you. um let's talk about one of the hottest names in fantasy. if you listen to pretty much any podcast this week, you're gonna hear people discussing Keaton Mitchell. And first-class fantasy, Billy Muzio, we talked about Keaton Mitchell like way back. We had Keaton Mitchell on our rosters on the IR spots like way, way, way back. So we'll pat ourselves on the back of the offseason. It was definitely a good call we made. But Keaton Mitchell now, its he's on your roster. Are you starting him? Right now he has 14 touches. He has 200 total yards. And he has three touchdowns. He ripped off a long reception last week too. But when it comes down to total snaps played, He's still the third man on the totem pole, and I believe he had 13 total snaps last week. Is this the week he gets ramped up and we start seeing like 25-plus snaps, or is he always going to be somewhat of like a gimmick player, a manufactured touch guy? Where is your trust level with Keaton Mitchell? Jeff, start out with you.
2: Kenny pro. I mean, that, I think that always explains a lot of playing time issues there. And, uh, you know, he undersides back like that. You kind of worry about that sometimes. Do we take John Harbaugh's comments at face value? They said he wants to get Keaton Mitchell more involved. Um, I think he, th- there's a possibility of that happening. I think game flow matters a little bit too. Uh, I think so. I think he takes the justice Hill workload eventually, if not all of it, because I think they still have some like for him, uh, Gus Edwards still gets all the goal line carries though, uh, unless it's Lamar keeping it himself. So you, you're not going to get short touchdowns. That's fine. You know, you, you, we, we get that there, but I think that they're, I think they see the asset they have. Um, And I think the Ravens are a well-run organization and they'll find ways to get Mitchell involved. I think it'll be incremental. I don't think it's going to all of a sudden go from 10 snaps to 35. I, I mean, for the leagues where I have Mitchell, I hope I'm wrong. I also hope they wait another week. It would be nice uh, if they do that. So week 12 sounds like a really good time to get Keaton Mitchell more involved, but we'll see.
1: Billy, where are you at with Keaton Mitchell? Because I know we have him together on a team, and it's difficult to cram him into that lineup. Where are you at in terms of how, like, you know, based on, I know you have a bunch of Keaton Mitchell. What percentage of your Keaton Mitchells are making it into your starting lineup this week ballpark? It's a player that I was actually had the most ownership. It was above
0: 85% instead of redraft. Unfortunately, didn't keep them all throughout the the IR slash getting re-injured on the hamstring news. So don't own as much as I did, used to. Um, it, it, it's not an easy matchup. I mean, Cleveland's a tough defense, top four against the run um, as well. And uh, he, we have seen increased snaps week after week. So 17% week nine, 22% last week. We um, saw increased routes as well, 8% versus 17%. And so I, I think it's hard to keep a home run hitter off the field. Uh, it's the kind of guy we've seen it take it to the house now in back-to-back weeks and almost had another touchdown last week had he not been severely underthrown. And so uh, Keaton Mitchell is explosive. I mean, this is like an H light, essentially. And you ask yourself, can you keep HN chain off the field if you're a coach? And the answer is no. Um, that being said, um, to Jess's point, you have a – a third down back. That's, that's, that's uh, above average in pass protection. You also have a goal line back. So Keaton Mitchell's going to have to score between the twenties. Um, they're not going to get him worked in the goal line. There's going to be certain packages. They're going to work him in. And so I don't think either that he's going to see, you know, 30, 40% of the overall snaps this week. I could see more of that, you know, 28 to 32% range um, as they continue to get him more involved. But, um, again, tough matchup and and he's going to have to break one. So I'm pro- I'm starting him in some areas because I have to, um, but I'm still starting players like Jerome Ford over him, probably Jalen Warren. Um, and then if he blows up, um, I'm going to hate myself, but it's one of those things that's kind of, you got to follow the numbers and the math and it just doesn't quite equate to putting him in
1: as a lock yet. So it's more for you, Billy, you're taking the known volume player still over Keaton Mitchell For me, it's like I think that the argument Billy makes a really good one. So does Jeff. But if if I'm in a like a if I'm looking at my matchup and I view myself as an underdog, that's that like high upside guy that can kind of like put me over the top. So it's a floor versus ceiling argument. Uh, And we have uh, a couple of questions regarding Lamar Jackson. So let's stick with the Ravens here. Kyler Murray versus Lamar Jackson this week. Which way are you going, Billy Muzio? Uh, Lamar. Pretty clearly for me, I
0: just, I I think I trust him a bit more. I mean, you always have the, the injury still kind of lingering in your head with, with Kyler. He looked fairly healthy last week, probably ramps up some more rushing. Um, But I I do, I do lean with Lamar still. How about you, Jeff?
2: Likewise. Uh, It's close. Uh, I've been, I think Lamar has been a little bit of a fantasy victim of the game flow. You know, there's been two fourth quarters where he hasn't played at all, but that doesn't explain last week where he was outright terrible in the second half. Uh yeah, Cleveland's pass rush may explain that though, and Miles Garrett could explain that. Um, but I'm going to go with them. Uh, the Bengals have had a hard time trying to contain Lamar in the past too, so I I think I'll probably still go Lamar. I I mean I'm going to go Lamar over Murray. I it's closer though. I've got him like at nine and eleven or nine and twelve respectively. I think.
1: Rapid fire: Josh Dobbs or Lamar Jackson? I'm going Lamar in that one. Billy, I I'm going Lamar. I got I got Dobbs at eleven. Jeff? Uh, Lamar. Okay, good stuff. And we have another question with uh, Adam Thielen showed up in that question, so let's stick around with this. This week, Frank Reich took over play calling duties for Carolina. Uh, this is kind of a train wreck of an offense at this point. The one you know, silver lining was Adam Thielen. A couple of weeks back, Billy, we talked about him when he was wide receiver three overall in PPR. Now he's starting to creep down to kind of low-end wide receiver one land We've had back-to-back weeks with less than 50 air yards. Where are we at on Frank Reich taking over? Is this like let's funnel everything to Adam Thielen? Do you anticipate more balance? I don't think we're starting too many Carolina Panthers, so I'm really going to phrase this question. What does this do for Thielen? Where are you at?
0: Uh, Billy. Or well, Jeff, you take yeah, no, Jeff, No, go Jeff, ahead, Jeff, go take ahead,
2: take, Billy. I'll listen.
1: I thielen
0: has been wide receiver 31 the last two weeks. I mean, it's kind of, it was kind of a, a pleasant surprise to see him in that wide receiver one category for as long as we did. I didn't think it was going to be sustainable, Um, but the other options in, in the passing game um, were, were lacking as well. So it was kind of a de facto to, to just point back to the top of the hour, talking about wide receiver ones, the team that are going to be targeted. Um, And this was one of those situations where he's just being targeted and on the field. And so, um, Game scripts always in the favor as well. This team, they're, they're typically trailing, they're behind. Um, so I think he's still going to have a role. And I think he has every opportunity to outbeat wide receiver 31 on any given week. It's not a player I'm ranking that low on a week to week basis, simply because of the volume. Um, and we're still seeing the targets. I mean, 27% last week on the season, he's averaging 28% of the targets. Uh, he's running 93% of the route. So this is a guy that's on the field. Uh, it's hard to come across those numbers. Uh it, trying to plug in someone else. And so if you have them, you're starting them. Um, and if you drafted them, you're happy with the uh, production that you've had year to date. So I, I, I think he's going to kind of consistent, consistent role, uh, regardless of who's playing, who's calling the plays in the offense. When um, and, and we know what the office looks like moving forward. I don't think it's going to change much.
2: Yeah. I, unless Frank Reich can block. Um, I'm not really uh, thinking it's going to change too much here because it's the offensive line is just a disaster in Carolina. We saw it all the way in the preseason, and I, you know Bryce Young has no chance. I mean, he he has not performed well, but he is put in a hopeless situation here, and I I don't see that improving, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, definitely one where you're just starting Thielen, ignore everybody else, and I'm you know you know that he's going to decline over the rest of the season. I mean, the guy's not going to finish wide receiver eight wide receiver nine, but it's just how far does he fall? It's a train wreck of an offense, a difficult team to uh, to watch. And if you're in a trading league, I don't mind pivoting off of Thielen if somebody wants to pay you a wide receiver a couple spots behind them, just so I can avoid those kind of Carolina Panther games in my fantasy playoffs. But one offense that we're extremely excited about every single week, and they play pretty much the game of the week this week, is the Philadelphia Eagles. You've got Dallas Goddard, who's going to miss for. There's a little bit of a lack of clarity, but I'm guessing it's going to be three or four weeks of no Dallas Goddard. Where do we see this offense adjusting to? Is it a complete consolidation where you see, I mean, A.J. Brown right now is wide receiver three overall, getting about all he can handle. Is it Devonta Smith seeing a big uptick in uh, consistent usage, or do you see maybe a little bit more touches for the running backs out of the backfield? Who stands to gain the most? from Dallas Goddard missing and missing time. Jeff, start with you on this one.
2: You know, I, I kind of was leaning towards saying Devonta Smith. I mean, yeah. I think that's been the, the route I've been going here. Um, trying to pull up the by position uh, data there a little bit there to see if the K- KC has been uh, any, any more vulnerable against like pass catching running backs or some things of that nature there, because honestly, uh, you know, is a defensive team first right now, which is kind of crazy to say, but uh, I, I, yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and, and say uh, Devonta Smith is the guy that uh, benefits the most. I'm not going to say Albert O, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, for me, I'm kind of optimistic about DeAndre Swift. We've seen a couple of weeks where he had decent amount of targets. And these past two games that he's played, he's actually seen a pretty high number of snaps. So if I'm kind of self-scouting, um, I'm going to go with trying to get maybe him a little bit more use. Because I think that the wide receivers are already going to get... Pretty much all they can handle, Billy. Kind of where are you at? Yeah, this is
0: this goes back to the conversation we had in the preseason, and and one of the reasons why I was a little bit lower in Devonta Smith than the average person was, and it was because we had, you know, Goddard missed a lot of the, a large portion of last season. And so they had a consolidated target tree. So I agree with Jeff. I think this is going to be benefit Devonta Smith the most. Um, I am interested to see how they involve the tight ends. I mean, does Albert O get at least, you know, five, seven percent of the targets? I think it's probably realistic. But um, if he gets more involved in that, I'd be pleasantly surprised. Um, and when we look at the stats from the the running back position, Kansas city to Jeff, I just pulled it up. Um, they are 23rd. So, you know, top, top half or top quarter, I should say in the league against the running back position. And in particular, have only given up 199 uh, receiving yards to the running back position, mm-hmm. which is going to be um, second. Actually, that's the second strongest in the league. So this tells me the data is suggesting now that it is going to be receivers that are going to be benefiting. So, Live kind of analysis, we're pulling it up. Um, So Devonta Smith to me and, of course, A.J. Brown are going to be the two biggest beneficiaries.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I just would be pretty excited about all three of them, all three of the main Philadelphia Eagles uh, skill position players with no Goddard. Uh, And we talked about this, Billy. I think it's a great call about the contingent upside of all three. Um, If one missed time, well, we're here. We're going to see it. Uh, Question in the chat. Start two of these players, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, jalen warren let's start with you uh jeff on this one the hopkins against the uh, kind of a leaky jacksonville secondary that just got shredded um calvin ridley in the same game or jalen warren in the As you referenced a big 10-esque total
2: yeah um i'm going hopkins for sure so it's ridley versus warren for me um and it's kind of a big yuck there i'm gonna go warren uh, I think I'll go Warren over Ridley just because I know the volume is going to be there, and we don't know in any given week what Ridley's volume is going to be. I'm just so scarred with him right now.
0: Billy, I'm going Warren Hopkins as well. I mean, Ridley's either a three-target guy or a ten-target guy, and uh, when we know that we're getting eighteen percent of the of the targets pretty consistently out of Warren, I'd rather go with the volume, and the volume is actually going to be Jalen Warren over
1: Ridley. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. It's Hopkins and uh, and Warren pretty easily for me. I try to avoid Ridley in that one. And a shout out to our very educated listeners. Uh they know where the the money goes. It goes to the Gene Upshaw uh the fines, the NFL fines go to a Gene Upshaw Player Assistance Trust and NFL Player Care Foundation for the NFL. And get this, guys, the fines used to go to the league and the owners. Right? How did the owners get to pocket some of that money? That's just... uh, do
2: somebody think of these poor owners.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let's think of the poor trillionaires, you know, who's looking out for them. Um, Guys, we want to talk about Brian Robinson. This is one of the biggest surprises of the season. In the preseason, the Eric enemy offense was one where we were getting excited about Terry McLaurin, and then we got very excited about Jahan Dotson for a little... And we've talked about the success of Sam Howell, but right now Brian Robinson is RB6 on the season in PPR. It has not stopped. The scoring has not stopped. Um, where where do we see this going for the rest of the season? Um, and uh, these New York Giants have led up 16 rushing touchdowns on the year, Jeff. So where are we at on, uh, on Brian Robinson? Does he stay in this sort of range? And you're kind of surprise level at his production.
2: I thought he'd be sharing more with Gibson. Now Gibson's hurt this week too. So uh, ha- didn't practice today. Something to watch for as far as that goes. Um, Yeah. I, I think that uh Robinson should be a, a very strong play this week. I was surprised at how much he's been involved in the passing game. That's yeah. the one thing I didn't see coming Uh last week, especially uh, when he's your leading receiver as a guy that has a lot of Terry McLaurin in my life. I'm especially disappointed to see that. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's working. Now Robinson, he's got a little bit of a fumble problem. That New England game was kind of scary as far as that goes. And his rushing totals have actually been pretty disappointing yardage wise. Uh, Last, like I don't think he's topped 70 yards since week three. Uh, So, you know, he's got to get there in the receiving game. So it's one of those things where, and, and again, when he faced the Giants, he had a really awful game. He had a touchdown that kind of saved it, but he's eight for 23. So, eh. I should be. And I remember it was like touting him in DFS, like, oh, this is a great week to have Brian Robinson. And it just, it all fell apart. And we had that slog of a game instead. So I think it's a good start, but, and I'll be using him, but uh, maybe not in DFS. Maybe I, I've been burned before and I don't often play the he owes me game when it comes to DFS.
1: And Billy, Brian Robinson, getting the Jarek McKinnon-like uh, passing volume is not the storyline we anticipated on the season. Your overall thoughts by Robinson his fantasy success and how you see him finishing the season.
0: Yeah. The uh, passing volume, I mean, it, it spiked last week. He saw 15% of the targets in week 10 and and on the season today, we're about 6%. Um, I, I think that I think our, our friend Nelson Sousa was, yes. was touting Brian Robinson at the beginning of the season. And I I was not really on the train. I have a few shares, but it's um, I thought we were going to see a little bit more of a of a one a one b between Antonio Gibson. It just hasn't been it. I mean, Gibson has is, is not really been a part of the rushing attempt at, uh, or rushing attack at all. Um, and so I think that Robinson, it's like I think he's RB sixteen for me this week. ECR is RB seventeen. So I, I'm not that far off. Again, it's 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 down to the matchup. Washington though i watched not Washington. Um, the Giants, though, however, they have given up the ninth most fantasy points, the running back position, and the second most rushing yards uh, in the league at uh, 1,117. So, if, I mean, I know that it was a bad outing last time, but this has game script written all over it for me, and I think that it's probably going to be a Brian Robinson game. And he'll probably adjust my rankings with, frankly.
1: Okay, here's the start sick question. We've seen Ken Walker now be out snapped by Zach Charbonnet for several weeks in a row. This past week, Ken Walker had uh, 19 carries, and he also had, like, two targets, but one of them he housed for a 64-yard touchdown. So his fantasy numbers were very good. Are you starting Ken Walker versus the Rams or Brian Robinson versus the New York Giants?
2: Jeff? Uh, Pulling up my rankings right now to tell you that. Um, I think I'm going to go... Robinson but uh because Ken Walker here's the thing about Ken Walker when he's in the game he gets the ball it's almost this big poker tell uh so I, they, they actually I'm gonna I'm actually I, I looked at my rings I'm wrong I'm going Walker in this one I don't love the matchup but I think it's not as prohibitive as people are making it out to be either
1: I'm begrudgingly going Walker even though I said on a couple shows this week I would be looking to trade him because I'm worried about the uh the the usage moving up for Charbonnet but he's such an explosive player and I kind of like that that Rams Seahawks game to be a little bit more fantasy friendly. Where are you at, Billy? So the Walker, this is interesting. We've had this
0: talk uh, the last couple of weeks on the Fantasy Bros podcast, and it's I'm firm belief that these snaps changed right as the calf injury uh, popped up, and I think that they're just being a little cautious and safe with Walker because they're still um, a playoff team currently, and so we saw it dip from the beginning of the first seven weeks. He was seeing about seventy five. Ish percent of of snaps on a week to week basis. The calf injury popped up, and and then in numbers was forty four percent, forty seven percent, forty seven percent in the rushing attempt category or percentage wise. Um, It's been ramping back up now as he's become more healthy. So 44%, 62% in week nine, 76% last week in week 10. It's interesting is the trend in the passing game. Um, He was pretty consistently in that nine, 10, 11% target range um, percentage wise. And since his injury, six, 10, and then now three. So I wonder if Charbonnet has kind of taken on that role permanently as the passing down back as, or if it's again, just a, breather for Kenneth Walker and they're going to continue to use him on the ground and then get him work back into the passing game. That's the piece of the puzzle I'm trying to figure out. But for me, pretty, I'm going to start Walker over here. He's the more explosive back over Robinson. Um, and I, I think that, I mean, he's one of the best rushers in the NFL, I think quite frankly, and, and I'm going to start him um, over, over Brian Robinson. So I like it. That is suggesting though. We're going to see more Kenneth Walker as, as he gains health back. And I think that that's going to hold true
2: yeah and if we saw last year uh remember the stretch run last year walker wouldn't practice wouldn't practice questionable no problem play the full game i think this is pete carroll playing possum a little bit too he did yeah. that last year uh just preserving his running back i think it's smart actually but uh yeah i think that's that's at work again here
1: uh rapid fire guys this week Brees hall or rashad white in ppr billy I have Rashad White as RB five right now. Um, I it's it's going
0: to break down the passing game because SF doesn't give anything on the ground, so uh, either he's going to have to get the the job done in the air. But Brees Hall is RB eight for me right now. Jeff, who are you rolling with this week?
2: Toss up for me, Hall barely, but uh, I I wouldn't fight you on this one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Hall, but same tier. I'd be happy to start either. Uh, rapid fire: Keaton Mitchell, Ty Chandler, or Jalen Warren. Billy. Uh, caveat
0: is, um, if they officially declare Madison out it's Ty Chandler, hands down for me, then Jalen Warren, then Keaton Mitchell.
2: Yeah. Jeff. Chandler, Warren, Mitchell for me too.
1: Yeah. For, for me, I think I'm going to go Warren regardless. I just love the way okay. he looks. And I think that's going to be a, a, a tough, a tough game where they're going to get extra running back touches, uh, getting away from the running backs here. We've seen an unbelievable run from CD lamb. C.D. Lamb is now the first player in NFL history to have 10 catches plus or 10 catches or more and 150 yards or more in three consecutive games. Just wild times. And he's done this right out of the bye week, guys. So this was like a self-scouting. Now, Mike McCarthy does everything he can to annoy us today with his comment uh, saying that, you know, something about our fantasy needs. that He doesn't care about. Get out of here, Mike McCarthy. You should care about our fantasy needs. But is C.D. Lamb the league winner? And which wide receiver would you would you like to have if you could pick any single wide receiver in football for the rest of the season? Let's start out with you, Jeff. Thoughts on Lamb and your pick of any wide receiver in PPR?
2: I'm old enough to remember when I was complaining about Lamb's workload, uh, where we went seven, six, five, seven in targets. And like, what is going on here? Uh, and then that it's like that Chargers game right before the bye where he was seven for seven for one seventeen, almost was like an eye opener for McCarthy. And he decided to let Lamb and Dak cook. Um but I'll tell you what, if they lose another high volume passing game to another, like a, when they play the, for instance, when they play the Eagles again, he'll revert back to his, his old ways. I think it's the, the, the thing is the way that because Tony Pollard has been such a disappointment, I think they had to pivot towards this strategy. For- and I think it's killing McCarthy. I think he hates it, but he knows he has to do that there a little bit. So uh, I'd rather go uh, EJ Brown rest of the season. But for me, it's 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 Brown and then you a toss up between lamb and Tyreek Hill. Um it, and, but hey, I am going to be a nice guy. I'll, I'll go third in that draft and then get another pick on the way back earlier. Billy, your thoughts? I'm actually he's Jeff is spot on
0: here. I was going to say the the correct answer is AJ Brown because you've seen it since week 3 consistently where lamb is just now picked up and it has been due to the inefficiency of the running game. Um, and so as good as CD lamb has been, it's been nice to see him with, you know, 16, 14 targets pretty consistently. He's finally been in that 30 to 40% target share percentage. Um, 40% is extremely high. It's not normal. 30% for lamb. I kind of expected quite frankly, where now we're seeing, um, I mean, AJ Brown though, on, on, on the contrary has been doing this since the, you know, pretty much since, again week 3 38 I mean even week 2 27% so all season seeing that 30 to 30% plus range and on the season to date 33% so I agree AJ Brown
1: yeah it's AJ Brown for me as well and AJ Brown's top 2 in the league in in receptions over 20 yards I think that could be like the contingent uh thing is you know for for the Goddard losses do they take just more shots downfield and just throw it up and AJ Brown goes god mode for us let's take one more question in the chat DJ Moore Tyler Lockett, Zay Flowers, one. You get to pick one of these guys. So a champagne problem for Anthony M. Most weeks, he's got three decent uh, choices. We only can pick one here. Let's start with Billy on this one. Oh, I'm going to refer to the ranking. So it's Lockett. Who else? DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, Zay Flowers.
0: Um, I got Lockett higher than everybody. Zay is in between.
2: DJ Moore is the bottom of the group for me. So
0: I'm going to go Lockett.
2: I'm the opposite. I've got more top uh, because you can't run against Detroit. Um, so I think and if Fields is back this week too, they have that connection. I think uh, uh Tyson secret agent man uh, kind of couldn't throw down field as often, whereas Fields will. So I think DJ Moore uh, gets a, a higher share this week. So I'm gonna go more.
1: No, I, I I'm gonna be right there with you. I think this is gonna be a DJ Moore game. You know, we saw those those smash games with Fields. Um, this is gonna be in positive game flow for him where you could see Detroit be, be up a lot and DJ Moore have a chance to really eat in that second half. Um, Want to keep this going, guys. You know, we, we talked about the Frank Reich taking over as offensive coordinator. Nobody cares about the Carolina Panthers offense, but people do really care about the Buffalo Bills offense. And this week, Ken Dorsey is out as offensive coordinator. And Joe Brady, who at one time was considered to be a football genius at his time at LSU, meteoric rise to the NFL, Takes over in Carolina doesn't work out, but now he's back with a chance to be the offensive coordinator for Josh Allen and a five and five Buffalo Bills offense. What changes, if any, do you expect to see, Jeff?
2: One scapegoat in for another. I'm, I remember when Joe Brady was scapegoated for Matt Rules' pre, you know insistence that they run the ball forty five times up the middle. Um, so I, I think maybe they open up a little bit more, and you know it's like, hey, let, let's make sure Digs eat. Uh, something of that nature. Uh, but at the same time, Josh Allen is on a per game basis, the number two quarterback in fantasy scoring. Uh, granted, the turnovers have been there. It's not really his fault that uh, Gabe Davis let a ball go through his fingers though. And it's certainly not his fault that they had 12 men on the field for that field goal attempt. Uh, but I, I think it's, it's a nominal increase. Maybe uh, I think not this week though, against the jets who have just provided so many problems for the, the bills lately, but even in that, even in that first game in game one against the Jets, Allen got his fantasy scoring in that game. I um, mean, he it seems like you get there. So we'll see. I think maybe it might change some of the personnel, maybe some of the groupings that have come out here. Uh, maybe this, this Dalton Kincaid Renaissance that we've enjoyed might be tempered down just a smidge. That's maybe something that was changed, but I'm just spitballing. I'm not really sure what's going to change.
1: Don't don't say anything negative about Dalton Kincaid. I know, you baby. I can't, I can't do that to you. I can't, I I can't take it. I can't take it. <laughs> Billy, Billy, Which what are we going to see? Could we see more targets for Dalton Kincaid? Can we go opposite of Jeff here? And I think the question for me really is, Billy, do we see more consistent usage out of our guy, James Cook? Because last week we saw Latavius Murray, and then you have Leonard Fournette kind of waiting in the wings here. What what do you see happening with, with the offensive coordinator change uh, to Joe Brady? So I was I was gonna say I think we do see Cook a little bit more, but it's with the caveat of
0: that he can hold onto the ball. Um he had he put the ball on the ground once that so was his clearly his fault. One was Josh Allen who just dropped the ball in the handoff. But he got Cook got very lucky on that long run mm-hmm. where the ball bounced right back in his hands. If he if that doesn't bounce just like that, he loses another fumble. And I don't think we see him for the rest of the game after that point. And so it would have been a completely different story. I think we'll see him a bit more this week. Um, it's going to break down to, I think, the matchup. I think they're going to be smart. I mean, the Jets are extremely difficult versus the wide receiver. They've given up the fewest fantasy points of the position. We know they got shutdown corners. Tight end, though, they've given up the 18th most. Running back, they've actually given up the 14th most. And so I think we're probably going to see them lean on the tight end, lean on the running back position. We want to see them utilize their, their, their tight end that they've spent high capital on. They're going to want to utilize... The, the running back with, with cook. And then I think they're going to try to at that point kind of keep the defense honest. And then that's going to open up some more big plays down the field for these receivers. So uh, again, spit ball on, I would like to say though, that was a humdinger that he missed um, on with, with Gabe Davis across the field. I think but it broke his finger, that was, that thing was thrown with some velocity.
1: So um, definitely a tough catch, but he should have caught the ball. Yeah. And a big shout out to the chat. A lot of people watching right now. Quick. Let's take one more quick question. Uh, Devon, a chain, looks like he's gonna play this week probably gets announced back on Saturday uh so you got to be a little patient there but it sounds like the beat reporters are saying he's gonna go this question seems almost comical Devon a chain or Jerome Ford but I guess there is a little bit of trepidation um for for the way that that a chains going to be utilized in his first game back I have no reservations I'm a thousand percent starting him this week especially if it's against uh, like a low- end rb2 like Ford where are you at Jeff
2: yeah, I'm going a as well. Uh, you know, it was funny listening to that answer about how much he's going to play for Mike McDaniel. But at the same time, it's against the Raiders. And yeah. we got this era of good feeling for the Raiders right now. But wait till they play a real team on the road where O'Connell has to throw the ball more against a And the pass rush warms up uh, and you start getting into this you know, catch up mode for one team. And uh, Miami going off to the races where they boat race everybody at home. I, I think this is a perfect setup for a, a big blow up here for HN. So I'm going to go HN. What are we thinking,
1: Billy? Do we have any trepidation?
0: No. Raiders just get crushed on the ground. Uh, I mean, they give up the fifth most fantasy points to the receiver. They've they've given up um, over 1,100 rushing yards. Uh, I think HN gets slid back in. We've seen most kind of struggle as of late as well. Um, and so I think that A-Chain is going to be inserted back in um, and we're going to pick up where he left off. So um, if you see him, I think you're going to regret it. I mean, this is an explosive offense, explosive plays, um, and it's the kind of guy that's going to take it to the house at any given time.
1: Okay, guys, here's a, a question from me. I have a $750 FFPC Dynasty League, Billy. And as we know in FFPC Dynasty, you get paid for the top two spots for the regular season. So I'm currently in the number two spot. And I need a win. This was an Anthony Richardson team. Then this was a Kirk Cousins team. And now this team has been like dumpster diving at the quarterback spot. I'm Will Levis or Baker Mayfield this week. In a must-win game, who are you going with? Will Levis against Jacksonville or Baker Mayfield against the San Francisco, your San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> Billy? i probably go – Baker, I just like the weapons better.
0: San Francisco is beatable in the secondary. The front is masking the secondary's problems is what it is. Um, but if they don't get to the quarterback, we saw this, you know, firsthand against Minnesota where, um, you know, Cousins kind of diced him up. And I don't think that Baker's going to dice him up, but he's got – uh he's got you know evans he's got godwin he's got white that he can release the ball out to. i um, mean even otten's been more involved i think this is more of a godwin game um just because um san francisco you know gives up low e dot passes because the quarterbacks have to get the ball out of their hands quickly um but so i i have them back to back my rankings this is coin flip area um but i get a slight lean to baker
1: okay guys we're, we're almost at an hour here um, I I wanna I, oh let's get uh let's get Jeff's answer on the quarterback do, uh, decision first. Where it's am I going of, for all the money? For all the money? Kind goes. of
2: hoping not to have to answer this question. No, it's a, <laughs> it's a tough one. It's a
1: tough one. Just, you know,
2: I, it's so funny. Funny phenomenon is people ask these tough questions. They inevitably are back to back in my rankings always. And it's Levis twenty two, Baker we twenty three. And it's part because Baker's coming in with the injury this week, um, and because I think the pass rush is getting better and better for the Niners. I think they fixed their woes after the break, um. I, I'm going to say Levis, but man, if it's raining in Jacksonville, that's enough to switch things over. If it's raining in San Francisco, it's a way to switch it back. I mean, it's just that close. Um, it, it is not a glowing endorsement, but I'll, I'll say it's, you know, trepidation is it's it's Levis for now, but it's like fifty-one forty-nine. That's who I had
1: it. I had it in, in Levis and now Billy's making me question everything in my life right now <laughs> with that answer. So well, I'm going to, I'm going to have to labor this through right up until uh, like kickoff guys. It's a tough one. Um, guys, we're, we're nearing an hour here. How about if I'm looking to dumpster dive, Billy, who's the guy that's sitting there on every single waiver wire that if I need to throw a guy into a flex and uh, I'm desperate, who's the guy you're looking at? Uh, Somebody I added
0: a lot during this week was Jalen Guyton. Um, So he saw 85% of the routes last week, 12% of the target share. Um, and I think he's going to continue to be involved in this offense as long as Josh Palmer is on IR. So um, we know that Keenan Allen is slightly banged up as well. So um, I know QJ is probably sitting there. People are expecting a big QJ week, but I think QJ is more of a 2024 play. So Guyton, I think, is going to get inserted in here as a, a potential wide receiver three, maybe back in wide receiver three. But I, I do think that he has the ability to uh, to finish inside the top 30, uh, given the matchup and given uh,
2: given his involvement in the offense
1: yeah i like it jeff how about you
2: uh i was gonna i love the guyton response um if you have it for thursday night can i interest you in trenton irwin with no t higgins should have had two touchdowns last week not just one uh if you really want to go sick and crazy how about julio on monday night um if there's a lot of you know you know, talk about a beneficiary to no goddard i think julio looks like a tight end right now maybe he could just fill that role um big and slow Uh, and then the opposite side of that game, Jarek McKinnon, you know, they've been holding him back, holding him back. And I think he's a guy that uh, could explode in the second half of the season. Jarek McKinnon's actually in my sleepers article that should come out tomorrow on
1: playerprofiler.com. I love that answer uh especially in this sort of like a huge game you could just see jarek mckinnon catching like two touchdown passes for me it's rondell moore he's sitting there on a ton of waiver wires i was going to go kyle phillips but i think like billy like made me feel bad about my answer so i'm going to go a little (laughs) bit more generic and i'm going to go rondell moore he had a season high in targets season high in receiving yards in kyler murray's first game back i i know we're all waiting for hollywood brown like season to happen um trey mcbride's a, a guaranteed starter for everyone but I'm going to go Rondell Moore if I'm looking for a guy that can get me like 10 PPR points uh, in a pinch. And guys, just a quick Arizona question. James Conner, confidence level, and Hollywood Brown, confidence level. Last week, the, the, uh, Brown gets like the early target, and then it just didn't happen. James Conner gets 16 carries, but he doesn't get any targets. What is your confidence level in those two guys in a game that screams over?
2: Oh, I mean, with with Connor, I mean, the 16 carries are enough answer for me that they have their confidence there. You're not going to get as many targets when Kyler's going because he's going to scramble. I mean, it's like any running quarterback. You've got that issue, but they trust Connor. Connor makes this offense a better team. So I I have definite confidence there. Um, And then uh, uh, Hollywood Brown. Yeah. I I mean, it didn't quite happen last week, but everyone benefits from having a healthy Kyler. Billy.
0: Billy. Confidence is a strong word, but I think that Connor is probably, um, I think it's safe. Uh, The carries I mean, even though it was only that many carries, and you look at the percentage wise, uh, it was still 67 percent of the rushing attempts. So that that says a lot. I mean, a bat, any back getting over 50 percent is decent. Anyone getting over 60 is is now a, a bell cow. So I think he gets more involved in targets. But it's again to to just point. It's 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 all breaks down to Caller's mobility and 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 going to push the ball to the field. And now he's using Rondale as that outlet in the intermediate routes as well. So yep. low A dot, you know, again be getting those passes. That's what we saw. 30, percent the highest of the entire season for Rondale. So good call on you there, Theo. But I think Rondale benefits everyone benefits the passing game. Confidence is a whole nother a whole other discussion.
1: And I love I love Jeff's call. Like let's just make Julio tight end eligible. Like let's make him a waiver wire tight end. It'll be a very fun storyline. Uh, we got to give one more question in the chat because it's our producer Jr. He needs uh start sit advice here. Tua Tungavailoa Patrick Mahomes CJ Stroud. I mean what kind of champagne problem is this Jay <laughs> this is his his super flex starters. We need to pick two of these top like eight quarterbacks this week, uh, Mahomes, Tua, or C.J. Stroud. Jeff, pick two, please.
2: Mahomes for sure. I love this shootout potential here uh, against the Eagles' secondary, which has been just giving it up all year. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Tua over Stroud, um, but it's not with a ton of confidence. But again, like you said, I mean, this is you know this is not just first world. This is Paris Hilton problems. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's trust fund baby problems. Give me a break, Jr. For throwing this question in the
1: chat. But but I'm gonna go, I'm actually gonna go with Stroud because I think it's gonna be a shootout. I could just see them, you know, not having to lean on two in the second half sure, and I just it. run the run the ball. Billy, where are you at for Jr?
0: I'm gonna go with the two highest self renders of the week. I'm gonna go Stroud and I'm gonna go Mahomes. And I want pieces of of those games. And so um Stroud's been on fire. You gotta start him, I think, right now. And uh I mean Mahomes, you're never gonna bench. So uh I think I think the, though Stroud and two are very close. I, I lean Stroud.
1: And congratulations on the money you're going to win this year, Jay. That's great. Um, Billy, talk to everybody about what you're doing every single Saturday night with Bradley Stouder right here on Player Profiler YouTube. And this is YouTube only, but you guys have the Dominator going. And if you enjoyed these sort of start-sick questions we did with Jeff, tell everybody where they can find this and what time you guys are going. Yeah, shout out to the chat. Sorry we couldn't get to everything today. Um,
0: It is lit. There's a ton of comments in there. Um, So if you have more of these start-sick questions, that's what we do on Saturday night, lineup lockdown, we call it. Um, and we, we sit there and I literally just drink wine, answer your start, sit decisions. And we just have fun with the crowd. And, um, we, we do it as a kind of a Saturday night tailgate party and we kind of hang out and just get all your questions answered. So, uh, we go through all the, all the final injury stuff and said, the projections and the model, and we get everything answered based upon, um, what we have projected. Both Bradley does his own. I do my own. And we compare the two and we, um, you know, deliberate and discuss each of your start, sit decisions. And we try to get to them all. We always say it's a 30 minute podcast. We usually go 45 Minutes to an hour because we want to get every question answered, um, and then um, we usually start between six and seven o'clock my time, so nine and ten o'clock Eastern on average. So uh, it kind of varies depending upon our schedules, but that's that's what we do
3: every Saturday.
1: And Billy and Bradley are very very good with this, and they're very very generous with their time, um, and they answer them all. So that you know, definitely check that one out. Jeff, this was awesome today. Love chopping it up with you. Let everybody know where they can find your work.
2: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, guys. First of all, um, always on Rotowire. Check out Rotowire. We always have a free trial. If you guys want to check it out, rotowire.com slash pod. You can see my rankings there. We call it the value meter. I'll be doing an update this afternoon uh, with that uh, trial. There's no credit card or anything like that. Just kick the tire. See if you like and If you don't, it just goes away. Um, I talk a lot. So I do podcasts a week. I do uh, four XM shows usually at 8 to 10 uh, p.m. Serious XM Fantasy. So you can catch me there uh, and just on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson. Yeah, and a big shout-out to what you
1: guys do at Rotowire. You know, we love Alan Soslowski. It's my co-host at Sonic Truth. Love Jim Coventry, Mario Puig. You got a lot of really, really sharp guys over there. So definitely check out Jeff's work. Uh, And check out press coverage. I did it early this week. That's my solo pod. I I had Jacob Sanderson on. We covered a lot of the week's topics. And if you're a Dynasty player, Dynasty Life uh, debuted it about two weeks ago with Ryan McDowell. And tomorrow, Heath Cummings from CBS is joining me. Uh, Billy, this was awesome. Uh, really really enjoyed chopping up with you guys this is week 11 guys this is the time to put the time in get your lineup decisions correct grind that waiver wire in the secondary waiver let's win some money let's win some titles stick with us here at first class fantasy rest of the season we got you covered
2: thanks everybody thank you guys
3: hey i want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in it's important to me that all of our media be free this is only possible because of you